word says this. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, that's Mary and Joseph, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's please be seated and let's uh, pray. (coughs) Lord, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for the ability we have to listen, to interact. Thank you for the Holy Spirit's work as we receive your sacred text. Do the work that needs to be done in our hearts, we pray. Give us all the encouragement and hope and conviction and Uh, will, and and everything uh, that you have for us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a great text for a New Year's Day, and I was looking forward to this one on New Year's Day. It's a beginning. Jesus is born, and now he's being brought to be presented. We see today, and we're going to just focus on these two godly saints for whom we've been given this sketch. I would ask you, what does the new year hold for you? I was telling, telling Tito and Anna, I really do not like New Year's Eve, but I love New Year's Day. Um, I love New Year's Day. I love a new calendar and a fresh start and everything. I'm just not a big fan of trying to stay up late and bring in the new year and all that stuff. But give me New Year's Day as a holiday any day, and, and, and I'll look at that and, and love that. We've got New Year's ahead of us, and we have something here for us. Thinking about something being here, especially for you if you're one of our senior saints. I appreciated Dave's prayer, praying for our our elderly uh, folks in our congregation 
Can you hear me okay, Bob, <laughs> by the way? You hearing me all right? Okay. I appreciated that. And this is really a text uh, for you and the rest of us to listen in and learn from. But if you guys are, have seen uh, your share of New Year's Days, what a text for, for you, Simeon, and what a text for you, Anna. We love you and we need you in this church. And God has work for you to do till he takes you home to, to your heavenly place. You've got something to do that's good. And I want us to be all inspired, but, but especially you guys. Um, <coughs> having been sick again this week, the sermon prep did not go according to my plan. I was flat on my back for two days. About, about 48 hours of flat, eating nothing. And uh, at, at some point, I drove my daughter to Poughkeepsie to catch the bus back to Buffalo. And at another point, I drove down to, I guess that was first, drove down to LaGuardia and got my other daughter back from visiting our other daughter. And, and so I've been driving, but then the sickness came. And so we've got the bare bones, but these are good bones, okay? So it's worth your time. I'm not going to apologize at all for the sermon, and maybe the Lord prevented something. I think when I was calling James to, to uh, <coughs> see about canceling Sunday school, I said to Donna, it's either going to be the best sermon or the worst sermon I'll ever preach. Uh, and you guys can, can see that. But if the Holy Spirit's here, it's going to be good. So listen, there are things to learn. Um, I am leaning heavy duty on J.C. Ryle in this one. They told us in seminary, they, they even said, steal, <laughs> steal heavily, but acknowledge who you're taking it from. And I don't like that word, steal, but you borrow heavily and, and you give good acknowledgement. And so I started with, with Ryle, and uh, it turns out I ended with Ryle this week. <coughs> so I want us to see two, po- two points. One is Simeon, one is Anna. The first point I had not planned to labor on too much, but I put it in our worship folder, and I don't mind if you take a look at it. You need something practical? Here's something practical. One, God has believing people even in the darkest days. And Ryle wrote this, and I'll just read it from from our worship folder. This is from his commentary. We see in the case of Simeon how God has a believing people even in the worst places and in the darkest times. Religion was at a very low ebb in Israel when Christ was born. Yet even then, we find in the middle of Jerusalem a man who was righteous and devout, That's in verse 25. A man whom the Holy Spirit was upon. Also verse 25. It is encouraging. It's an encouraging thought that God never leaves himself entirely without a witness. Small as his believing church may sometimes be, the gates of hell will never completely prevail against it. True Christians in every age should remember this and take comfort. It's a truth which they are apt to forget. In consequence, to give way to despondency and say with Elijah, I'm the only one left. But God answered him, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. There are more Simeons in the world than we suppose. The statistics come out. No longer a Christian nation. No longer dominating uh, Christianity. uh, Shrinking. The rise of the nuns, and that's not the Catholic nuns, that's the N-O-N-E-S nuns, the the people who don't believe anything. 
and uh, it's coming. And, and around the world, more ridicule uh, poured on Christians. And we might be tempted to say, oh man, hang on to your hats. We're in trouble. Um, a reminder from this text, God always has his people there. And there are more Christians in the world than you know. Uh, they say uh, the things that they say we'll be surprised about when we get to heaven is who's there and who's not. And I think it'd be surprising for us to see just who God is saving and going to save and what's going to happen uh, during these days. Um, the, the wheat separated from the chaff. Right now, wheat and tares are growing up together. Pretty soon, um, and nobody's even going to be wanting to hang out with the wheat. And we'll see. Uh, our job is to live as Christians and, and to trust God and to love those Christian brothers and sisters when we find them and where we find them and understand that God has believing people even in the darkest days. Here came Jesus into the world and there was a man named Simeon who'd been waiting and waiting for him. The second thing I want us to see about Simeon is that a believer can be delivered from the fear of death. A believer can be delivered from the fear of death. Luke uh, 2.29, verse 29 in our text. What did Simeon say? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. I am ready to die. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus. I can die now. Lord, I can go, and not just go, but go in peace. He knows where he's going. He's seen the Messiah. He had the faith that God had given him. And faith is what helps us overcome the fear of death. In this life, we put on kind of a macho status about death. We joke, I guess, the, the gallows humor type jokes. Um, and, uh, boy, I, I lay in there, I, I, I have had my radio on a lot. And so I'm going to have a pop quiz for you guys. What is the Iowa Hawkeyes song that they play after every victory in a football game or a basketball game? Maybe wrestling, too, because they're mad about that out there. I grew up in Iowa, so I have the inside information. But after the Iowa Hawkeyes win their games, the announcer will say, in heaven there is no beer. And you'll hear the polka, in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. When we are gone from here, our friends will drink all the beer. And it's just a joke. And people are almost making a mockery. It's a fun song to sing, and they're all dancing around, and the, the band is playing. And, and I think it started, had some German roots, because Herb gave a, a little look of recognition at that song. I saw that. Um, we joke about in heaven and what heaven will be like and how we live here. We go for all the gusto here. But listen, listen. The reason we joke so much about death and about what's on the other side is that in our natures, we are scared of it. We saw the paranoia that happened uh, just recently and, and, and all of the, the fear, and especially in some people that really, really accelerated. And yeah, Paul and I talked about this, and we said, you know what? We just have to understand. People, people are afraid of death. They don't know what's there. And as a Christian, you can know what's on the other side. God lets his people 
be delivered from the fear of death. One of those nights I woke up and I listened to an audio book I had been wanting to get to. It was a Christian counseling thing. The man delivering the lectures told the story about his mother. His mom was given six months to live, but she died in four months. They moved her in with them. It was excruciating and hard. And he said, even as a Christian, even knowing where she was going, the dying itself was difficult. A few months after that, his dad was back at work. One of his dad's co-workers gave him a piece of paper. His dad said, thank you. And immediately, that was his last words, died of a massive heart attack. Quick. Uh, the man was saying, you don't know and you don't get to control how you die. That's up to God. You know, though, as a Christian, that you can depart in peace because you've seen the Savior. And you think about that. And you think about uh, all the variables here on earth. And you think about God being in charge of your destination. And God uh, delivers believers from the fear of death. Weil pointed out next that there were some Jewish believers who had a good understanding about Christ's work even before the gospel was preached. That's Simeon, he knew. Look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory for your people Israel. And if that sounds familiar, uh, that sounds a little like what we heard earlier in our service today. A light for the Gentiles. Um, Boy, they were going to have some controversy in the church later on over Jews and Gentiles and races and who can be saved and who can't be saved. But Simeon had it down right from the start because he was biblical. And, and, and God had it right from the start. God, in his scriptures, speaks to his people. And there are some of those believers even then who had a good understanding about Christ's work before the gospel was preached. Ryle pointed out that those scribes and Pharisees would have benefited from some time spent with Simeon. Would have benefited. They could have just found that old man Simeon and, and listened to him, and they could learn. Makes me think of a great blues song by a Christian guy named, uh, named, named the Reverend Dan Smith. And if you can look up, I've never been to seminary, but I've been to Calvary. It's just a wonderful bluesy riff, and he's saying, I've never been to seminary, but I've been to Calvary. And boy, that's, it's, go, it's good to go to seminary. God's calling you there. But boy, does you no good if you've never been to Calvary. And God had Simeon there among the learned. But Simeon knew what was going on. We see forth the results that follow Christ's coming into the world. The results. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Uh, We talked about this uh, rather extensively in in the passage on peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. It's a rising and falling. Jesus is a source of stumbling. Or he's the rock that you build up on. 
That cross is good news, but the cross is bad news for some people because people look at it and they say, that's not how I choose to work my salvation. That's not what I want. Cross is good news for you who have repented of your sins and turned to Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. It's potential good news for everyone. Boy, there'll be people, and I've said this before, there'll be people that have grown up in churches. There'll be people, and I just think the worst part of hell would be, to me, to have grown up in the church, heard it all, and have eternity and eternity, and eternity and eternity to remember things. Forget who it was. I think it was one of you that told me that lately, maybe it was Heidi. It was Heidi Richards. I don't know. Somebody said, said they were just, lately they just are remembering so many things from their childhood that they'd forgotten. Uh, all this stuff is coming back, and, and it's clear they hadn't even thought of it for years, but here it comes. And, and you think about the things we recollect. Things we recollect. Think about... <coughs> an eternity to recollect every time you've heard that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Um, You have eternity to celebrate that fact and worship Jesus forever, or you have eternity to think about it forever. The results that follow Christ coming into the world, the rising and falling. So we see Simeon. Look at Anna for, for a moment. Anna. Some translations of yours might say she was married for 11 years, and then she spent 84 years as a widow. I think that might be how the old King James had it. Ours, ESV that we use, uh, translates it and said that she was um, uh, lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. I was really looking forward to digging into this part to give a little bit of teaching clarity on it. Uh, but numbers are different. When, when you look at numbers and translations of numbers, and we're talking about a language uh, of a couple thousand years ago. For instance, um, uh, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often should I forgive him? Seven times? And some translations will say, no, 70 times seven. Other translations will say, no, 77 times. So don't get hung up on the numbers and the translation into English from Greek on the numbers. What you need to know about Anna is she had a tough life. That's what you need to know about her. She was a young girl, and they married young in those days. She was perhaps married 11 years, perhaps married 7 years, and then she was a widow the rest of the time out. Ryle said this. He said, The trials, desolation, and temptation of such a condition were probably very great. And I had not thought of it in those terms. The trials of someone who was widowed young in a culture and who lived until she was 84 years old, all those years. Think of the trials. Think of the no kids for for provision. Think of being at the mercy of the culture. 
Think of desolation. Think of no one to go home to. Boy, sometimes you, you go home and you're squabbing a little bit and, and you go, man, I'm glad, I got, I'm glad I got my wife here to squabble with. Boy, what if I didn't have my wife to squabble with? Boy, what if she didn't have me to, 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 to push up against? And what, what, if, what, if, what, if, what would it be like to, to live all those years? What is it like? The desolation sometimes. And that's why God puts people in churches. One of the reasons why God brings people into churches and why churches have an obligation and a, and a, a need to welcome and love. But Anna, boy, the trials, desolation, and temptation of such a condition were probably very great. What do you imagine a temptation Anna might have had? I know what my temptation would be. God, why did you do this to me? God, why? Why? I'm not any worse than so-and-so. I'm not any better than so-and-so. And they all didn't have husbands who died after a few years of marriage. And my temptation, strongest, might be the same as yours, to question God. Well, whatever it was, Ryle's right. She had the trials, the desolation, the temptation. There was some pain early on, and life didn't go as she would have scripted it. But what do we see about Anna? Looking forward to getting into the prophetess part, too. Come back to that sometime. She's advanced in years. Widowed till she was 84. And we see that she did not depart from the temple. And she worshiped with fasting and prayer (coughs) night and day. Coming up to that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, of him, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And it's something. Now God must have looked at her and said, you know what? Jesus is coming I got a couple people I want Jesus to meet. Simeon, and there's Anna. And oh, how I love Anna. And what a special privilege and thrill for Anna to be able to see, to testify, to give thanks to God for him and to speak of him. And God showed her what other people there that day didn't see. They thought it was just another circumcision, another presenting. We apply this, our conclusion. I had three points that I wrote down and, and uh, laid awake all night thinking of maybe some more, but, but let's look at these, these three. Do you remember when Paul is writing to Timothy and he's sending young Timothy, a pastor, into a group of older people? And he said, let no one despise your youth. If there is a message Today, from this text, it's let no one despise your age and experience. Let no one despise your age. God loves his senior saints. God loves you. There's never going to be a time when you kind of age out. When you say, well, I'll just, uh, 
let's see, do I stop living for God? <laughs> when do I take my Social Security? 62, 65, 70? Let's look at the economics. There's no time in Christianity where you age out. You live for God with what you can do with what he gives you all the way through. I do like John Piper on this, where he said, uh, uh, God's not going to say to you, oh, let me see your lovely seashell collection. Uh, he's going to say no in your retirement years, in your, in your years of getting older. I've got work for you to do that matters. My old pastor, Finley, he, I talk to him every now and then, and he's got somebody he's still mentoring, and he still loves to do that, and he's not done yet, and he's got his grandkids, and he prays for them, and he spends time with them, and you guys and, and ladies that are a little older, we love you. We can't wait. Uh, I guess I'm a little older, too. <laughs> That's why Steve's laughing. Um, you get 60, and you kind of, you're kind of older, so God loves us, and God loves us, and God has a job for you. It's not over till it's over. And God has work. And boy, we get to not have anyone despise our, our, our old age and, and, and there's ways you can serve. I can point to so many people and I, I love you guys so much. Um, didn't have time to pray and think through this. But I'm just going to say, what a blessing for our church when all of you walked through our door. But I'm thinking of the, of the day that Gordon walked in our door, our, our first deacon. Gordon had been with his wife, never left her side, her deathbed, for 11 years. Came in. Um, two Sundays after, she passed away. And here he was. And we said, where did this guy come from? Who is this guy? And just the service, the way that God has used him to be an encouragement, and so many people, so many people. How many people, when you look at uh, Paul's list, Paul did this in Scripture. That's why I don't feel bad about, about thanking people publicly from the pulpit here. Romans, at the very end, Paul gives a whole list of people who he's thankful for. That's Holy Scripture, names of people, thanking them. What was their average age? I bet some were older, some were younger, some spoke this language, some spoke that language, some did this. You know what? We get together as a church, and, and, and God uses our gifts, and there is no one, there is no one who is, is aged out. And that's why it's good for you to find the names of, uh, of your friends in here. Find the names of their kids and grandkids and, and pray for them. Boy, there's a guy... I'm so thankful that my parents down in Branson, Missouri, there's one man, teaches at a Christian college down there, um, uh, and, and he's Spanish teacher. Not Spanish, but he grew up on the mission field or something. But boy, he looks in on my parents. My dad's sitting in the chair. If he's walking by, dad looks for him to just wave when he's walking his dog. My dad says, now you make sure of my funeral. I know he's not one of my kids, but let him read scripture. I want him participating in my funeral. And I'm thinking, you know what? I got to be that guy. The people here need to be. 
guilty, fall short. Look out for each other. Help each other. And maximize everybody's gifts. Second application. I'm thinking in terms of age. There comes a time in the lives of God's people when a switch flips. And what mattered then doesn't matter now. For the Christian, as you get closer and closer and closer to heaven, all of this stuff that mattered so much just doesn't matter. This songwriter, this this guy, this band I like, uh, the Vigilantes of Love, the guy goes, what was I so excited about? What was I so excited about? What was I so excited? What was I so happy about? Boy, I was on this, uh, it's a song about a train wreck and and his, his wife dying and he's holding her in his arms and he says, boy, until that train hit the snowbank and, and all this happened and my life changed, we were just joking about the club cars and the bad taste and the design and we were just having fun. And he goes, now I can't even remember what was so great because all of a sudden I'm seeing eternity and life and death. And as we get closer to heaven, the stuff that mattered so much. And I was thinking of stupid me, you know, standing outside the record store when somebody's album was coming out. This is me, newly married. Give, give Paula a medal of honor. Tell her she's great for putting up with me. And boy, this album came out, and, and I'm first in line. I'm going to get this record album from Turtle's Record Store. And the FM album station is there, and they interview me. And I talk knowledgeable about this guy and, and his music. And now, when that song comes on, I can't change the station fast enough. But all that stuff that we thought was so good and so important and so had to have, all the hype. How many movie trailers do you have to see to say these all look the same and it's the same story except a little bit more crooked and corrupt and, and, and godless each time to say, I don't need that stuff. And as you get closer to heaven and things happen, boy, all of a sudden you're in Simeon and Anna territory. And that's the place you want to get to. That's where you want to be. And finally, finally, the last point, and it will be the last point. All those things that were floating through my head last night are not going to come out anymore. So, last point. And here's the the critical point. And it's something that we talked about a little bit before, and I said it once before, but I'm going to emphasize it as we close and go to the table. (coughs) And that is this. If you've seen Jesus the way that Simeon saw Jesus, you would be willing to depart in peace yourself. You see Jesus, you can depart in peace. Whatever God's got lined up for you the rest of the time. Man, I, I was thinking as Dave was praying, got to have these elders do the pastoral prayer more often. I, I'm blessed by these prayers. Uh, praying for the older people. Praying for the ones raising the kids. Praying for the ones. Man, we've all got our roles in life. And, and, and what do you do? You help people see Jesus and you keep looking at Jesus yourself. And then you're ready to depart in peace. How did Simeon see Jesus? This is a summary of the gospel, just in case 
Somebody's forgotten it. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He had someone feeding him his bottle, had someone changing his diaper. He had someone hearing those little cries in the night and going to him. And I remember those days with our four, and I remember when my little sister was born and what that was like to have a little family. And boy, uh, Jesus was born, and he was a baby who grew up. He was tempted like we are, yet he didn't sin. The text, if, if we were to go through Luke, we, we would see him in the temple, and, he, and some translations say he has to be about his father's business, and others say he has to be in his father's house. But we're not doing that. We're going to 2 Kings next week. But, um, but um, we would see uh, Jesus growing up. Uh, for instance, he, he did grow up. Look at him. He said he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And he grew up. Hebrews talks about him learning obedience. He was faithful. He was not sinful. And yet he took on himself the sins of his people. And Simeon saw all of that. And he could depart in peace. You see Jesus as your Savior. Repent of your sins. Realize that that they're getting you nowhere. Put your faith in not just a baby, but the baby who grew up, the baby who was taken to the cross, who went to the cross willingly, who rose from the dead, who ascended into heaven, who's coming back. We can have a lot of fun between now and then, and then we get to depart in peace. And I'll just say this. I love this church. Love all of you. You've all got a role that matters. I wish I could know each one of you better and better and better than I do. Um, You're wonderful because God has saved you. You're sinners like me. Uh, We got work to do together. We're going to get along. We're going to we're going to pray together. We're going to enjoy uh, time together. And we're going to see what God does for us in this new year. And let's just let's pray, pray for your church. And there's, there's my best effort this morning. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for, <coughs> thank you for the salvation you've given us in Jesus. Thank you for everyone in our congregation, from the babies to the seniors. Thank you that you put us in a church family. Help us to love that and appreciate that and understand more what that means. Thank you that Jesus has saved us.